our first uh, scripture reading in the morning is from the last book of the Bible. It's from the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. This is John, disciple exiled on the island of Patmos, where he has a grand vision. And so he says, after this I, meaning John, looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones and seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there's something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with a face like a human face. And the fourth living creature, like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In her uh, delightful book, Up With Worship, the author, Anne Ortland writes these words. When I was little, we used to play church. We would get in chairs, put them in rows, and fight over who would be the preacher, vigorously leading the hymn singing and generally having a great time. The aggressive kids naturally wanted to be up front directing or preaching. The quieter ones were content to, to sit and be entertained by the upfronters. Occasionally, we would get mesmerized by a true sensationalist crowd swayer, like the girl who said, Boo, I'm the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but in general, if the upfronters were really good, they could hold their audience quite a while. If they weren't so good, eventually the kids would drift off to play something else like jump rope or jacks. Now that generation has grown up, but most of them haven't changed very much. Every Sunday, they still play church. They line up in rows for the entertainment. If it's pretty good, their church may grow. If it's not too hot, eventually they'll drift off to playing something else like yachting, fishing, or golf. Really? Is that how it is? Is that why we get together to play church, to be entertained? My question, are you playing church? 
see, friends, I believe that we need genuine, heartfelt worship in our lives before God. And that is what we find this morning in both Revelation 4 and chapter 5. As Kim alluded to earlier when she was leading the children's time, I am starting a four-week sermon series that I'm titling Dimensions, in which we will together experience the height, length, depth, and width of God's love all this month of January. And today, we're beginning with how high is God's love? And you just need to know that when we speak of how high God's love, the flip side of how low we are. Because we don't just look at God and say, oh, your wideness or your longness or your deepness. We look up and we say, your highness. Why? Because our God is high and lifted up. And I'd like for us to look just a little bit more closely at this idea as I read our second scripture of the morning. This time, as I said, from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Again, those words are in your bulletin, but they're also on the screen above me. John, continuing that vision, says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our great and glorious God, we thank you for gathering us together this morning to talk about and experience how high is your love for us. And may we truly have an encounter with you as we embrace the love and life and light of Jesus Christ as we pray it in his holy name. Amen. Well, in Revelation chapter 4, uh, John is uh, whisked off into heaven in a vision and then he sees God enthroned over the universe. And what's striking to me here is the restraint with, with which John uh, describes God. There's no flowery prose, no name. There's not a lot of anthropomorphic detail. John says simply, him who sat there. And then John describes the sensations that are coming from the throne. There is light in the color of jasper, carnelian, and emerald. You know, if you look at the sun and just stare at it, even for just a few seconds, it will damage your eyesight. So can you imagine looking upon the God who made untold billions and billions of suns? According to John, God is more than light because God is also staggeringly distant. Between John and the throne, there's a sea of glass. Between John and the throne, between God and us, there is this infinite chasm. There's an old African-American spiritual Song that goes, he's so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get under him. He's so wide, you can't get around him. And yet, and yet, John does not run away from this dazzling, distant deity. 
because of one detail that he sees. John sees a rainbow enfolding the throne, a powerful symbol of God's forever faithfulness over the creation. Now, also surrounding the throne is this kind of bizarre menagerie of four living creatures with eyes all around and, and with six wings. What in the world is that about? What do they represent? Well, they represent all nature. And they're singing the opening hymn that you all sang before. Holy, holy, holy. Now, in Jewish writings, good learning came through repetition. Still does for us. And when Jesus wanted someone to listen up, he would say, truly I say unto you. But if Jesus really wanted someone to pay attention, he would grab them by the shirt collar and say, truly, truly I say unto you. Well, the angels want us to know that God is not just holy. God is not just holy, holy, but God is holy, 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 holy to the third power. Think about it when a, when a football team runs on the field. They have their finger in the air and the fans are all yelling, we're number one, we're number one. Well, worship is our celebration of the supremacy of God. So the elders shout in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And then in Revelation chapter 5, which I just read a couple of minutes ago, all heaven and earth breaks forth into worship and hallelujahs of praise. There is this thunderous ovation that includes every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, humans and seagulls and earthworms and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, armadillos and manatees, you name it. The point is, every creature in its own voice ascribes glory and praise, dominion and power to the one who sits on the throne and who is the Lamb. Wow, what a spectacle, right? And friends, here's the best part. You and I are a part of it this morning. Now think about what that means. That means that you are not here to be entertained this morning and because this is what I really want you to focus on I'm going to try to make a point by tattooing it on your mind so that you never forget it I'm going to ask every one of you in this room right now to stand up and those of you who are watching I'm going to ask you to stand up as well right now And all of you who are worship leaders, Eric Welchens, our music director, hymn song leader, Janet Breitmeyer, our accompanist, our chancel choir ensemble sang this morning, I'm going to ask all of you to sit down. But everybody else, everybody else at home, standing up. And now I am going to sit down. Here's the point. Worship is a drama that has an audience, actors, and prompters. You 
are not the audience. God is the audience. You are the actors. And the worship leaders like Eric and Janet and our Chancellor Choir Ensemble and me, we are the prompters. We are here to help you in your role and learn your lines. And if you go all the way back to like the fourth and fifth century, this is how, this is how worship used to be. The bishop would sit down to lead worship and to preach and everybody else in the room would stand up because there were no chairs and there were no pews. And I have to tell you, looking out from my perspective, I kind of like things the way they are now. I think moving forward, this is how it should be. Actually, I will ask you to be seated. I think you get the picture. You're the actors. I, I'm the director. I, I'm Steven Spielberg. I, I'm here to help you actors learn your role. And your role is actually described in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 10. You have made them to be priests serving our God. Now, if you've been Presbyterian for a while, you know that we believe in something called the priesthood of all believers. And so we enter the presence of God as a priest. Now, a priest was the most privileged person in all of Israel. A priest would enter into the presence of God to bestow prayers and offerings and songs to God. Well, today, you're priests. And as you come into the presence of God, you bring the world to God through prayer, and then we bring God to the world through our proclamation and service. And so that means when you walk into this room, you've got a job to do. It's not supposed to be a couch potato. It's supposed to be a priest. Unfortunately, very often, Bud Wilkinson's famous definition of football sounds a lot like the definition of worship in many uh, churches across the country today. Bud Wilkinson, the old football coach, once described football as a game of 22 people in desperate need of rest being watched by 40,000 people in desperate need of exercise. And all too often, Sunday morning worship are many spectators who God desperately wants to turn into priests. So we gather here in God's presence to make an offering, to offer our praise, we offer our gifts, we offer our lives to Him. And that means that the appropriate question for you to ask when you leave worship here today, after the service, is not the question that a lot of people ask. When you leave here and you're talking with one another, maybe in this room or in the gathering area, maybe in the parking lot or the not, when it's not too cold, or if you're watching home after you log off and talk to the people around you, I, I know what you're saying to each other. You can't fool me. I know what you're talking about. You're asking each other, well, did you get anything out of that? Now, can you imagine one of these elders in the book of Revelation turning to the person standing next to them, next to them and asking, did you get anything out of that? That has to be the most irrelevant question you could ever ask in a worship service. The question shouldn't be, did you get anything out of that? 
the question should be, how'd I do? How'd I do? In other words, did I lose myself in the wonder, awe, and praise of God that I, that I cast my crown before his throne? Or, or, was I just playing church? Another thing that I think can happen is instead of worshiping that scary, high, and holy God who's lifted up, many people instead say, you know, I, I want a God that I can feel comfortable with. I want a, I want a, a God who, who's a nice, supportive therapist. I want God who, who will make me feel better about myself. That's the God I want made available to me. Well, the problem with having a God that we feel close to is sometimes we forget and lose this God that we are supposed to look up to. This is the missing piece in worship these days. This, this loss of the majesty, holiness, and otherness of God who is high and lifted up. Without this, I just think worship falls flat. Because the nice, supportive, uh, therapist God is quite frankly not worth getting up for on a Sunday morning and certainly not someone I would want to give my life to. You see, to be in the presence of God is to experience an awe and wonder. The late Presbyterian pastor and author, Eugene Peterson, says churches ought to be required to put, a, put out on their sign in the front of, the, of, the, of their church, beware of God. I don't know, maybe uh, on our sign across the road in front of the sanctuary, it should say, beware of God. Maybe on our website should appear a message, beware of God. Outside these doors, before you come in, before those of you watching, tune in. You should have to sign a release form to do something as crazy and as reckless and as foolish to be sinners who are coming into the presence of this high and holy, lifted up God. You know, today we, we usually reserve that kind of gushing and awe and wonder for athletes or, or Hollywood celebrities. A few years ago, uh, Brad Pitt was in Las Vegas filming the movie Ocean's Eleven. And as he was walking down uh, the street, a woman who was eating an ice cream cone saw him and recognized him. And this woman was so starstruck that without realizing what she was doing, she popped open her purse, she dropped the ice cream cone in, and then she snapped her purse shut. Now, don't you think that God deserves at least that much awe and wonder as we come into his presence? We worship a God who has invaded history with glory and power. We worship a God who came into this world to turn tr the triumph of evil into irrevocable defeat. We worship a God who in Jesus Christ has unleashed the power to transform human lives. So the message that we have to sing, to say, it's the most awesome message the world will ever know. It's electrifying in its wonder. It's shattering in its power. This morning, I would like for you to be more like John. No, not me. <laughs> but John in the book of Revelation. Envision Jesus with outstretched arms embracing his congregation. See him break into a great big smile when he, when he hears Janet play the offertory, the chancel choir sing, or all of you sing hymns.
see his furrowed brow and his look of infinite pity when we pour out our problems to him in prayer. Watch him walk these aisles, touch lives, heal hurts. See him as he turns grief into glory and guilt into grace. My friends, Jesus Christ is here today in power and in presence. And that's why we come to Chestnut Level. That's why we gather here at 1068 Chestnut Level Road each Sunday. It's not because it's the all-American decent thing to do. Not to, to swallow a spiritual aspirin tablet to, get, to give us peace of mind. Heaven knows it's not because we like the preacher. It's because God is here. In his grandeur, in his glory, and in his magnificence. We are never to forget before whom we stand. And that we are alive on this planet for one reason and one reason only. And that is to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We exist to serve God with every fiber of our being, every moment of every day. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. Who is high and lifted up. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Holy, 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 Lord of heaven and earth, because indeed there is none other like you, and you alone are worthy of our worship. You fill our world with such amazing things, unforgettable people, and thrilling experiences, but we pray that we would never be tempted to worship them over and above you. Let us never forget that the one before whom we stand is worthy of the obedience that you demand of us. And so, Lord, help us to be real with you, to not play church. Open our eyes to your infinite glory as we cast our crowns at your feet in devotion and faithfulness. May we grasp how high up you are. And like we have seen in the book of Revelation, lose ourselves in wonder, love, and praise through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray for our nation. As we have looked upon the events of this past week, regardless of our political affiliation, regardless if we're happy or not about the coming inauguration, what we saw, what we witnessed is not good. We are to be people who follow the rules who obey the laws because we are a nation of laws and what we saw was not helpful or healthy for us as a country things going on in our cities are not good for us as a people and so god we pray that you would open our eyes as our chancel choir ensemble sang and help us to see you and help us to see you in others, not as enemies, not as adversaries, not as ones who we need to stamp down and defeat, rather ones who are also your children. And whether we disagree or not, God, help us to be people who are united in purpose. 
God, we think about those that are upon our prayer list, those who are hurting. And there are many people who are hurting in our church, in our community, in our country. Some are hurting physically. Some are hurting emotionally. Some are hurting mentally or financially or relationally. Some are hurting occupationally because they can't find a job or they can't find the right job. God, there are people who are hurting. There are people hurting politically. So God, we pray that in these moments, we would lose ourselves in awe and wonder of you and not put anything or anyone above you, but indeed ask for you to take the reins of our lives. Guide us. Guide our community. Guide our church. Guide our nation. Guide our world for which you love and gave your son. And hear us, O oh God, now as we join as one people and one voice and with one faith to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.